Well, Happy New Year. Yeah, welcome to 2020, to a new year and to a new decade. Yeah, and if you are one of those people who is going to push back on me and say officially the decade doesn't start till 2021, then come on, man. I ain't got time for that, all right? Okay, awesome. You, you go ahead, go ahead with that, all right. Uh, how many of you uh, are still doing pretty okay on your New Year's resolutions at this point? Yeah, no. Here's a picture of my New Year's resolutions, how it's going for me. <laughs> yeah, that's about right how it's going. <laughs> still trying to get there, y'all. All right. Fantastic. And how many of you wish that it was still Christmas right now? Okay, some of y'all are like, no, I'm good. Let it go. Okay, for those of you who still wish that it was Christmas, good news, it actually is. Okay, according to the historic church calendar, we are still technically in the Christmas season. Okay, Uh, so you keep playing that music and annoying your friends and family as long as you want to. All right. Um, but according to the, uh, the historic church calendar, which we uh, shape ourselves by, which we follow along, um, so that we, not, not so that we get stuck in a ritual, but so that we stay in a rhythm as a congregation to root ourselves deeper in the history of the church and orient ourselves in that overarching story of God's activity in the world, okay? And so we follow, we intentionally follow the historic church calendar because of that, as a way of orienting ourselves and connecting ourselves with believers all around the world, uh, the extended family of God all around the world. And so that's why leading up to Christmas every year, uh, we intentionally observe Advent, Instead of rushing ahead to Christmas, we intentionally uh, get ourselves in that posture of waiting. Uh, And so Advent takes place on those four Sundays that lead up to Christmas, the four Sundays before Christmas. And and we reorient ourselves in that overarching story of God. Remember what it was like for God's people to wait and to long for and to hope for the arrival of the Messiah. So Advent is this time of anticipation. Then on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, we celebrate that arrival. And so we spend that time celebrating. Uh, but according to that historic church calendar, following Christmas Day is a, is a stretch called Christmas Tide. Okay? And it's the 12 days of Christmas. All right? The 12 days of Christmas that take place from Christmas Day and after. Uh, anybody actually like the song, 12 Days of Christmas? Okay. You do? Really? Let's talk. Yeah, me neither. All right? Don't worry about it. If your true love is buying you all of that for Christmas, that's not a healthy relationship. All right? We should talk about that to you, okay? Um, so the, the 12 days of Christmas is at, we, we often think of it as countdown like the 12 days before Christmas and so people will use that in, in marketing or or in in TV shows and movies of the Hallmark movies and all of that right uh, but actually the 12 days of Christmas is what comes after Christmas okay so it's this season of Christmas and we stay in this moment of celebrating the arrival of the Messiah and that culminates tomorrow on January 6th the day of Epiphany 
12 days after Christmas, okay, the day of Epiphany. So we are celebrating that moment today. So we're still in this sense of this season of Christmas, and we are celebrating the culmination of that with this historic day in the church calendar called Epiphany. Epiphany. So it's a day uh, that we celebrate the realization of who Jesus is, where our eyes are open. In Advent, we've been waiting, longing, and hoping. In Christmas, we're celebrating the arrival and, and that sense of wonder about his arrival. But on the day of Epiphany, we take a step back and our eyes are opened and we come to the full realization of who Jesus is, this manifestation of his identity. So epiphany can be defined as a, a usually sudden manifestation or perception of the essential nature or meaning of something. And so that's what we do on the day of Christmas. We understand that there's this manifestation on the day of epiphany, this manifestation of who Jesus is, the essential nature Fully God, fully human, come as our Messiah, as our Savior to set us free. The meaning of something. It's an intuitive grasp of reality uh, through something such as an event, usually simple and striking. And as we get into the passage today, we're going to find that this moment we're studying today is both simple and striking at the same time. Or an illuminating discovery, realization, or Disclosure. Disclosure. That's what's going to happen. So in Advent, again, we wait, we anticipate. At Christmas, we celebrate and wonder. And at Epiphany, we realize and we discover. So let's dive into the text today. Luke chapter 2, uh, verses 22 through 40. It's a long stretch of text today, uh, but you love the Bible, so you can sit through listening to that, okay? All right. So listen as we read this over you. And let this settle into your hearts. Let it strike your mind. Let it open your eyes. Let it open your ears. This is the word of the Lord, inspired by the Holy Spirit, the story of Jesus. Starting with verse 22. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation or the comfort of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ, the Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, As you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people, 
Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Father, thank you today for the beauty of your word, for the power of your word. Thank you for using these obscure people who would have gone completely unnoticed by history except for the fact that their eyes were open and they had this posture of readiness to meet you. Thank you for using simple yet striking people like Simeon and Anna to point us to the reality of who you are. We pray that on this day of epiphany, we would have a discovery We would have a realization that our hearts, minds, ears would be open to you. That we would be challenged by you, changed by you. That we would grow in grace, just like it describes you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So what we're going to do over these next moments together is we're going to examine Simeon and Anna and these six postures of epiphany that we see laid out in this story. We're going to walk through the story, and as we take time uh, walking through that story, we're also going to take time at each of these postures, each of these six postures of epiphany, to pause and to pray. So there's going to be a gap of time, a, a silent moment for us to pray and for you to respond and reflect in prayer Uh, on what we hear through each of these six postures of epiphany. So you can prepare yourselves for that, all right? The first posture is this, open minds, open minds. The center of the story is on the margins. The center of the story is on the margins. One of the things that's very interesting about this text and one of the reasons why it's important to understand the context uh, of a passage in, that, in the greater story is this. We're told that, uh, that Joseph and Mary bring Jesus to the temple to be consecrated uh, according to the law of Moses. And we're also told that according to the law of Moses, they bring as a sacrifice these two doves or two young pigeons to be sacrificed. It says, according to the law. Now, that's one part of what the law says. But as we dig into the larger picture of the law, we see in more clear picture a reality about Joseph, Mary, and Jesus and the kind of lives that they live. 
So what the law said was that you were supposed to bring a lamb to be sacrificed at that moment. But if you could not afford that, and if your family was not able to afford a lamb, then it also allowed for you to bring, as not to put a burden on people more than what they could bear, it allowed you to bring two doves or two young pigeons instead of a lamb if you couldn't afford that. So what does that tell us about the family that Jesus is born into? Isn't that a beautiful picture? The incarnation, as mysterious as it is, that God himself would take on flesh and blood, that God himself, through that miracle of incarnation, would become human, but not just any kind of human. He steps into a family in poverty, and that is the kind of family that he is raised up in. Isn't that beautiful that he comes not just at proclaiming good news to the poor, but he actually becomes poor himself so that he might speak good news from that place of incarnation in the midst of the poor. This is a powerful picture of who God is, and it challenges us to have open minds and to recognize that often we talk about the margins of society, that people who are in are in poverty and we refer to them as being on the margins. But God doesn't see them as on the margins. He sees them as the center of the story. And that's where he decides to go himself. We have to have open minds and recognize that the center of the story is actually out on what we refer to as the margins. We have to have open minds to discover Jesus in surprising places. Simeon was expecting the Messiah. He was waiting for that, and he was completely expecting it, but he was not expecting for the Messiah to show up like this. But because he had an open mind and was responsive to the Holy Spirit, he recognized Jesus when he came. It's very tempting for us to think that the people with the most resources have the most to offer. It's tempting for us to think that the people with the highest levels of education have the most understanding. That those with the most experience or years have the most wisdom. And that those with the most obvious potential will be used in what we see as the greatest ways. That those with the most impressive credentials or gifts or talents will have the most impact, that those who hold the highest offices and boast the most power have the Lord's favor and are closest to the throne of the kingdom. But when we continue to see the world in that way, it just proves that we are still stuck in our same old tired narrative. And this author is far more creative than that. He loves to write in the margins and he makes the margins the center of the story. We're going to pause right here and we're going to pray. We're going to ask God to give us this posture of epiphany to have open minds, to see the places where he is moving, to recognize the people that he is moving through, and we want to have our minds open to that and ready to receive what he has for us through people and through places that might be surprising to us. Let's pause, have a moment of silence. And you pray and ask the Holy Spirit to open your mind.
Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for opening our minds, even in this moment, for the way that you answer prayer immediately and you begin to speak to us in surprising ways. Even though we were making space for it, sometimes it still surprises us when you speak. Thank you for speaking to us and using voices that we didn't expect to do it. So your name we pray. Amen. The next posture is this. Open ears. Move when the Spirit moves. Open ears. Move when the Spirit moves. It makes this statement about Simeon. It says he was moved by the Holy Spirit and he went into the temple courts. And when he responded to the moving of the Holy Spirit on his heart, on his soul, in his mind, when he heard the Spirit speak to him, he had open ears and he was prepared to move. And he responded in obedience. We have this person who has lived his life in patience, waiting for God to move. He's been given this promise. He heard that promise clearly. He believed in it. He banked everything on it. And he was waiting for the fulfillment of that promise. And he was waiting and he was waiting and he was waiting. And he refused to move before he heard the Holy Spirit say yes. But when he heard the Holy Spirit's voice, he moved with decisiveness, without hesitation. He responded in obedience. This is a challenge for us as we move into this into this new year and as we continue in this 10th year that as a church we've set aside as this year of prayer. We want to have our ears open when the Lord is speaking to us, when the Holy Spirit is moving in us and we want to respond with obedience. We want to have the patience to wait for his yes as long as that takes. And then we want to have the obedience to move immediately and without hesitation when he speaks. That's where we want to be. We want to remain in that posture of open ears to move when the Spirit moves. We're going to pause again. We're going to open up this space for you to pray. And you can do that silently if you want. And if you feel led to pray out loud, then you go right ahead and do that. And let's pray for open ears to move when the Spirit moves moves. And even if it feels like God has been silent for a long time in your life, to ask him to reveal himself in some other way, whether that's through his word, whether that's through someone else speaking his wisdom to us, whether that's him moving on us in some other way. Let's ask him to give us open ears so that we can move when the spirit moves. We pray. Holy Spirit, we ask you to continue to lead us and guide us. Be that way maker that we're singing about, the miracle worker, the one who makes a way when it seems like there wasn't a way. 
Carve out that path for us. Help us to walk in step with you. And to move when you say to move. And to be willing to wait until we hear your guidance and hear your direction. It's your name we pray. Amen. Amen. The next one is this. Open hands. Slowly and suddenly. Open hands. Slowly and suddenly. If you feel comfortable with doing this, then I just invite everybody to open up your hands for a minute. You can hold them out like this. You don't have to do it if you don't want to, okay? This posture right here, I want to challenge you to practice praying in this posture. You don't have to do that if you're like walking down the street praying, okay? Or you're at a restaurant or whatever else, but I challenge you to practice this. As an intentional physical posture, an outward sign of what is happening inwardly in your soul. To take on this posture of open hands. Open hands are a sign of trust. It's a sign of letting go of what we hold on to in our strength. So that we're ready to receive his strength for us. It's letting him take things out of our hands. That we've been holding on to for way too long. And it's us holding our hands open, ready to receive what he's been longing to pour out in our lives. I'm not talking about prosperity gospel stuff here. I'm talking about surrendering who we are in trust. So that we can receive the gifts that he has dreamed for us. When it comes to God's timing We have to keep our hands open. We have to stay in this posture of open hands, in this posture of surrender, in this posture of trust. It's said that God tends to move at only two speeds, slowly and suddenly. Can I get an amen on that one, right? Mm -hmm. If you look throughout Scripture, you see this played out over and over and over again. Ask Abraham about this one. Ask Moses about this one. Ask Sarah about this one. Ask David about this one. Ask Jesus about this one. All of the excitement and wonder that surrounds the birth narrative of Jesus. And then uh, according to Luke's gospel and according to Matthew's gospel, those uh, gospels combined, we get stories of Jesus' birth narrative that go up to about when he was probably three years old. It's believed that when the Magi or the wise men came to visit Jesus, he was probably around three years old at that point, taking them that long to complete their journey to find him. And outside of that, outside of that, the the earliest years of his life, we only get one story from Jesus' childhood when he's about 12 years old. And that's the only other glimpse that we get in the Gospels of Jesus's childhood. And we don't hear anything else until he hits 30. What was God doing all of that time? Living in the neighborhood right there in Nazareth. What was God up to all of that time? Slowly, 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 slowly 
And then suddenly, the kingdom of God unleashed through the ministry of Jesus that begins around the time when he's 30 years old. Keep your hands open and trust during the time of slowly so that you're ready to receive when it becomes suddenly. Stand in that posture. Open hands of trust and surrender. It's not just about receiving. It's about being open to him and trust every area of our lives and surrendering every part of who we are. Take a few moments and pause and pray. And if you want to pray with your hands open to physically symbolize what is happening in your hearts, souls, and minds, then I invite you to do that. Jesus, we say it again that you are king and everything belongs to you. We belong to you. We are yours. That sets our identity. And it also sets this trajectory of surrender for the rest of our lives. And we open ourselves up to you and we trust you and we surrender to you. We know we can trust you. And so we do it as you give us the strength to do it. It's your name we pray. Amen. Amen. The next posture is open eyes, a light for revelation. Open eyes, a light for revelation. I just want to read verses 28 and 32 again uh, to hear uh, Simeon's statement that he prophetically speaks as he takes Jesus into his arms. Simeon took the, the child Jesus into his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. If you are not of uh, Jewish heritage, then that's you. okay, and that's me, uh, the Gentiles. And this this beautiful moment that the birth of Jesus opens up for us and for glory to your people, Israel, a light for revelation. This is what Jesus is. This is what the arrival and, and the hope of Jesus is. So we're going to pause right now and we're going to pray for people to see, to have their eyes open to the reality of who Jesus is, to have an epiphany, to realize and to discover the truth of who he is and for that truth to be absolutely transformational for them. Let's pray for people that we want to see have their eyes open so that they can see Jesus.
Jesus, we pray for an awakening in this community and in the communities around us. We pray for an awakening for people to have their eyes open, to come awake to the truth of who you are and to be changed by that. That They will find their hope in you and it will change everything about them. We pray for that to sweep across this whole community. We ask you to use us in that. And we recognize that if people are going to have their eyes open to see you, then oftentimes you're going to use us as the people that they will see. They're going to see you through us. So we ask that you would make us those kinds of people in this community who carry the light of Jesus, who are consumed by the light of Jesus, and that when people see us, you are a light of revelation for them. And their eyes are open, and they are brought into a relationship with you for their salvation, for a journey of growing in grace and holiness, for a life transformed. It's your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Open hearts revealed and pierced. Open hearts revealed and pierced. Here's what Simeon goes on to say in verse 33 after that prophetic statement that he makes through the power of the Holy Spirit. It says this, The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Open hearts revealed and pierced. The reality is this. Jesus teaches us that he is the narrow gate, that he is the narrow road, that he is the narrow way. But beyond that, he's also the fork in the road. He is the fork in the road moment for people. He calls for a decision. And when he gives that invitation of come follow me, it is an invitation. It is an initiation. But it's also a command for every single one of us to be followers of Jesus and to go where he leads us. So yes, it's an invitation, but it's also a command. And our response to him reveals the truth about ourselves. Whose way am I pursuing? Whose kingdom has my ultimate allegiance? And every time our hearts get revealed, is another opportunity for our hearts to be surrendered and realigned and renewed in him. And following him is going to cost us. We recognize that. We hear it being spoken right here to Mary herself. Not only are hearts going to be revealed, but hearts are going to be pierced as well. Following Jesus carries a cost with it. Even Mary, who in such humility surrenders herself to be used by God in such a miraculous way. And Simeon says, your own soul will be pierced too. Pointing to the type of the death that Jesus is going to die and the type of pain that that will bring to Mary. Following Jesus will come with a cost. Obedience to God always does. It always does. Are you open to that? Are you open to that? Let's pray and ask the Lord to open our hearts to be that fork in the road for us, to continue to challenge us to move into a deeper walk with him, 
and to give us the strength of bearing the weight of what this is going to cost us. Jesus, I pray for people in this room right now who are experiencing that fork in the road moment where you are confronting them. You're speaking to their hearts. You're speaking to their minds, their souls. And you are challenging them towards a change in direction. For some people in this room, it means receiving that invitation to follow you for the first time and responding with obedience for the first time. And I pray that you would give them the strength to say yes to you, recognizing that even though this is costly, this is treasure. And I pray that they would be open to embracing the treasure of heaven, to follow you with all that they are, all that they have. Give them the strength to say yes as a new story opens up for them today. For people who right now are being confronted by things in their lives that they know they need to surrender to you, allegiances that they have, a way that they're trying to pursue that they recognize is their own and not yours, I pray that you would give people the strength to surrender. Move miraculously in people's hearts and minds right now and give them the strength they need to surrender. And for those who are experiencing the piercing of the soul, I pray that you would be their comfort. I pray that you would be their healing. I pray that you would take them by the hand and walk them through the pain. Be present with them in their pain. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. The last one is this. Open space. Active waiting, open space, active waiting. I want to read once again uh, the, the story of Anna. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong and was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. This posture of open space and active waiting. Anna the prophetess was actively waiting and the waiting was not wasted. The waiting was not wasted. It was preparation. It was rooting. It was establishment. Her heart had become an open space for God to come and to have his way there. In her fasting, she was actually feasting on the goodness and kindness of God, on the depth of his heart, on the treasure of his words. Put very bluntly, she was present. 
she was present. And by saying that, I don't mean just she was present at the temple all of the time. It's possible the way that the temple was constructed, there were some side spaces where where people could stay. Uh, But what it most likely means when it says that she was there all of the time is that she was there for her waking hours, that she spent most of her time and day and life there. She was present, but I don't just mean in that particular structure of the temple. What I mean is she was present to God, and that's what prayer is. It is being present to God. It's not entering into his presence, okay? Prayer isn't entering into God's presence. It's being awake and aware that God's presence is surrounding us at all times, that it is everywhere. It's not something that you have to enter into because it is all around us and within us at all times. So it's not us going into the presence of God. It's us being present, in the moment to him, having our eyes open to be awake and aware that his presence is around us. And her heart had become a temple. It's not just that she was staying in the temple, it's that she became a temple, a dwelling place of God. She was open and she was present to him. Let's pause right now and pray for that that all of us would become an open space, as we've challenged us all before, to become these mobile monasteries, these places of intimate relationship with God, moving flesh and blood prayer rooms, moving all throughout this community, people who are deeply rooted in him. Let's pray for that, that he would teach us what it means to be present to him and to practice his presence. Let's pray. As followers of Jesus, we learn these postures of being open by walking in the steps of Jesus, by being shaped and formed by Jesus himself, who allowed himself to be opened up so that we might enter into that relationship with him. Jesus was with his disciples on his last night with them. He was around the table. And he took the bread that was on the table and he broke it. And he said, this bread is my body broken to make you whole. And he took the cup that was on the table and pointing to the fulfillment of the prophecy that Simeon spoke to Mary about him. He said, this cup is my blood as I am pierced and this blood flows out of me for the salvation of the world, for the forgiveness of sins, for the redemption of you. Jesus said, every time you share in this meal, remember what I have done. We're going to do that today. 
We're going to invite you to come forward. There'll be two stations, one on this side and one on that side. There'll be a gluten-free option if you need that on this side. And we come with this posture of openness to a God who allowed himself to be opened up for us. His own body opened up to bring us in to salvation in him. We invite you to come and to embrace that today. For some of you, it might be the first time that you are embracing this relationship with Jesus, and we celebrate that. And please tell us if that's the case so we can walk beside you. Come and experience the openness of God. Amen.